to Out From Under on Resonance Extra, a weekly exploration of eclectic and experimental Australian music co-produced with FBI Radio in Sydney. Now, before we start this week's episode, some very exciting news, which is that Out From Under is now available in podcast format. You can find the show on iTunes or wherever you source your podcast from. All the back episodes can be downloaded, including interviews with the likes of The Next, Via Tanya, Alex White, Gail Priest, Happy Axe, and a whole bunch more. You can find out more info about the podcast on the FBI website at fbiradio.com slash podcasts slash Out From Under. This week on Out From Under, we're exploring the Sydney-based label 3BS in an interview with label manager Jonathan Pizzi. Jonathan also records as Manheim Rocket and Klangberg, and he's part of the Extreme Misanthropy crew. We're going to be hearing work from all those projects, as well as from other 3BS artists, Broken Chip, Hence Therefore, and Borrowed CS. I caught up with Jonathan recently before one of his regular house shows that he stages at his home in Sydney's Blue Mountains. Let's get familiar. This is Jonathan Pizzi and 3BS on Out From Under. My name's Jonathan. I run 3BS Records. I produce music as Mannheim Rocket and Klangberg, and I'm also in Extreme Misanthropy Crew. I started 3BS in 2011, and I, I started it purely as a vehicle for releasing my music as Mannheim Rocket because I, I wasn't interested in, in looking for labels to release my stuff. I just wanted to do it myself, keep it DIY and and very easy to do, so I put out um, the first couple of Mannheim CDRs and a few other bits and pieces. They were all projects that I was involved with, with um, directly at that point. And it just expanded from there and just slowly sort of taking on releases for friends and acquaintances and just anything that's, that took my fancy and it's just sort of grown from there and it hasn't really um, been defined by any particular sound. It's really mu- much more guided by my my taste, and it's a very subjective label for me. Like it's yeah, if you try to follow the trage- trajectory in terms of genre or sound, you'd have a very rough time working it out. I think at first I was maybe a little bit more opportunistic, so I would look at things in terms of um, what can this release do for me which, I mean, is probably not a great thing to admit, but when you're starting out, you're just thinking, how do I get a bigger reach for what I'm trying to do? So it was like, well, I want to find people that sound somewhat similar to me, have an audience that I think will relate to what I do. But now it's much more instinctive. I just listen to something, and if, it, if I just hear something in it that I, I like, I'm, I tend to go with it, as long as it's going to be practical to release it, which is obviously the, the next biggest concern. 
if someone comes to me with something that is clearly a candidate for a, for a 12 inch, I just have to think, is this going to be viable? Um, because I'm, I'm running it in a very DIY way. I, I'm, I'm really now avoiding working with, with major distribution. So it has to be something that I can sell pretty much hand to hand and a bit through, through like my, my, my band camp presence, but but that's really it. If, it. if I can't do it through that, I'm probably just going to have to turn it down, which means I miss out on some really good things. Um, and maybe I'll be able to in the future, but I've just got to work out a way that is sustainable in doing that.
well, the very beginning of it, I was going to um, I was going to see a lot of, lot of breakcore when I was in Bristol, and I mean, I just loved the energy of that. At that point, I'd never really made electronic music; maybe just dabbled a little bit. And so, I wanted to do something in that with that sort of intensity, that that sort of sound. But I knew that there was just something within me that, like, I wanted to just be able to cut classical music into it, because I knew, like, I, I was very into a lot of classical stuff when I was in uni, and I, I loved some of the like the power of it, and I was doing it in very well, thinking of it in very blatant ways of like big orchestral hits, and then you know jungle breaks under it and so I did that um a few years later I started doing it and it was it was terrible like I, I never I never I never got what I was actually going for because I I, I spent too much time like, I was thinking of it from a very sort of like performance kind of um punk way of like how can I do this live I never thought about production and so the sounds never got good and then one day I just completely ditched it and basically went with the same idea which was cutting out classical stuff but I was much more at that point influenced by stuff like um, DMZ, kind of Mahler, and really deep, deep bass stuff, a lot slower. So I started kind of trying to do that, and from there it's just evolved and evolved, and now it's, I guess, more sort of like a left-field house kind of techno thing, and it's just evolved quite naturally over the last few years. Like, whereas before I would kind of rip samples from CDs and start making tracks with them, now it's like a very iterative, iterative thing. So I've got the samples that I ripped, I'm then ripping those out of maybe a master or maybe digging into what I've cut previously, putting it through multiple layers of processing over multiple years. So it's not like a conscious thing, like every day I'm like, oh, I'll do some more compression. It just has happened over years. Um, and now I'm sampling from lots of different sources as well, tape and, and vinyl. And so it's become less about the, um, the visceral kind of content of classical music and more about the sonics and the sonics of the medium as well. So I like to sample things that are quite noisy, really like focusing on, on how the noise interacts with the sound. So like, for instance, if you've got something of vinyl and it's a very quiet section, you boost the gain up. And when you're playing, you know, like in a club, you have to do that because you want it to be loud enough. But then you bring out all the noise artifacts, which will be arrhythmic and the tonality will be all over the place mix that in with like the stuff I'm doing percussion wise and that's basically what I'm going for now but it's all happened very organically over a lot of years
a big change in my thinking was when I started hearing the uh, the the stuff coming out of out of UK and Europe where they were starting to last few years like really slow down house and techno and get into that sort of microscopic level when guys like Andy Stott and actress and things like that where um, it's almost like taking a microscope to 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 house music and by slowing it down and, and also just like, like zooming in on the on the on the sounds on sonics rather than just like you know a loud 303 um so i mean the, like for instance going back to to andy stott like he he had he had though those couple of eps before his his full length came out and those were like really for me they were like ones that just totally shook up um the scene in a big way because they, they were radical like i mean he took things that or probably either were made at 120 or 130 or were sound, sounding like that, brought them down to like 90 BPM and just like, just made them into these like floor crushing things. And I think someone does that and and then yeah, you'll have the things that kind of are like, kind of rip it off a bit and, and all of that. But then because that stuff is, is really so new sounding, I remember just thinking that it's like nothing sounds like this. And because you're thinking like, what can, what can I like DJ with this stuff? Like nothing sounds like it. Um, but I think the, the really good stuff from that it ends up getting integrated in because, you know, techno was always um, very clean and precise. But then the early stuff, one thing that always sticks out for me about it, the, the stuff coming out of like Detroit, is it was always very funky, even though it was fast and tight production wise. And that is probably the difference with, say, the, the, the sort of Berlin sound. But um, that's one thing that I think this is really injected back into it. It's, the, it's really the funk and the, the looseness of rhythm. And it doesn't have to be a 90 BPM. It can be faster. It doesn't have to be totally like crushed and, and all of that. But bringing that kind of thing back in is, is always a good thing. And yeah, I, I just feel like already stuff I'm hearing that kind of fits in more with the traditional mold of house and techno already definitely has integrated some of those sounds like it just all is sounding a bit sort of dirtier and and more um i mean you can't even use the word analog because it's it's the wrong word for it but it's just more natural more organic kind of sounding Klangberg was really just um, an outlet for doing things that weren't sampling from classical because I'm, I'm, I'm very strict with Mannheim, with Mannheim stuff. So when people approach me for remixes, I have to think of it in terms of can I put something in here that fits with Mannheim aesthetic, or I'm just going to have to say no. Like even if they want the sound of Mannheim, I have to fit it into my concept, or it's just not worth it for me to do it. So Klangberg was a way to get away from that. And again, it's just evolved on its own. And now it really is like, um, it, it's, it's definitely not um, something you can put into a genre or a style because it changes almost every time I, I do a Klangberg, Klangberg set, instrumentation changes. But it's always about um, drone resonance, um, room resonance. I like playing with a lot when I'm doing Klangberg sets. Um, so it, it's, a, it's more of a sort of, in some ways, a pure sound kind of project. And I'm hoping that in the future I'll be able to expand. I want to sort of do 
sort of impromptu Klangberg orchestra things and just have a lot of people just participating in a very long drone performance and just ex- just experimenting with that, that kind of stuff, which I've been interested in for a long time. And it's nice to just have a, a name to sort of assign to it, I suppose.
That's Klangberg and Reformed Caravan from a split self-titled cassette with Tea Factory. Talking to Jonathan Pizzi on this episode of Out From Under on Resonance Extra and Sydney's FBI Radio. Now, Jonathan and his 3BS label are based in Sydney's Blue Mountains, located about 100 kilometres west of the city uh, with a one kilometre elevation. It's always been something of an artistic and creative area, but in the last couple of years, the region has seen something of an unprecedented growth of tree changers, upping roots from the increasingly unaffordable city lifestyle and finding a new home in the mountains. And the music community is one of the biggest beneficiaries of this change. And that's evidenced in part through the 3BS split cassette between Jonathan Pizet's Klangberg project and Bulabara-based electronic musician Broken Chip, an artist whose work is deeply connected to the mountain bush landscape around him. We're going to hear sections from both tracks from that split cassette. In a short while, we're going to hear 0.5 from Klangberg. But first up, this is Kind from Broken Chip.
that was a split tape, um, yeah, between Clangberg and Broken Chips. So we we just wanted to do something that that was um, to us sounded like our surroundings of, of, of the Blue Mountains. So 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 Marty, who does Broken Chip, for him, I think that's almost everything he does, especially as Broken Chip. It, it just it it the music that he does with it works so well in this environment and so that that was quite easy for him whereas I'm slightly newer to to this area so I I was sort of experimenting a bit more in that recording I ended up using um a field recording that I'm just walking around in in the bush and was combining that with just layers of of of, yeah kind of just just droney kind of stuff I was working on and I mean, it, it's it's always hard with something like that to avoid it being cliche because, you know, yeah, peaceful, droney, yeah, that's what it sounds like around here. But I mean, it, it really that really is it. Like that that that's really what sums it up, I think, remarkably well. And it, it's a, it's an interesting recording that one as well because there's the field recording and you've got all these sort of um, bird sounds um, and all the, all the nature sounds when you play it in this environment you get like the, the doubling of that. You get all the natural sounds coming in with it as well. So like, it, it's an interesting record to listen to in this environment, but I would imagine also they haven't done it. Listening to it in, in an urban environment would be a very different experience. <laughs> so I do like that idea of kind of making things that really just like adapt in strange ways, however you listen to it or wherever you listen to it. And it, it's, it's nice to sort of make things that, and I mean, that was a tape that I... I I didn't want to do something particularly challenging. I just wanted it to be a really beautiful sounding tape that was almost like a guided meditation.
Palace, hence therefore, and a track called Cicada Death Roll, as taken from the recent cassette and digital release, Machine for Destroying Value. We're moving through an investigation of the Sydney-based label 3BS on this week's Out From Under, curated and managed by musician Jonathan Pizzi. We'll take the track Hyper Object from that Machine for Destroying Value release in just a moment. But first up, Jonathan gives us some background info on the artist behind the work, hence therefore. Hence therefore is, is a project that um, is by a friend of mine, uh, Simon Unwin. And we, we, we were in a band together for, for quite a few years back in, in Sydney. And he's just been sort of sort of quietly making this like improvised electronic music for a few years. And I guess in the last year or so, it's sort of become more influenced by, by techno and um, become a lot more a lot more sort of dance floor orientated, although it's still very live, very improvised. And yeah, he just sent me a bunch of tracks, some about half of which made it onto that release, and they were just just so great. Like I, I feel like they're they're at that perfect nexus of like um, they're they're like rhythmically they're really strong, but they've also got absolutely got lyricism. They've got you know interesting tonality, like. And it's something that you can tell with, with someone like him who's come from a background really of um, being in bands, songs, singing. And it doesn't matter if even if he's not really singing on things, he really is singing through whatever instrument he plays. And I think that's something that I, I really do look for on the label. I, I'm, not, I'm never really interested in things that are just, just rhythmic, just sort of, you know, um, dance floor fodder. Like it's got to have something more in it. And it doesn't always have to be... Um, that, that up front, that obvious, but yeah, that, that's, that's a lot of time when I'm listening for.
was hence therefore a hyper-object, taken from the recent cassette and digital release, Machine for Destroying Value on 3BS. I'm Stu Buchanan, and you're listening to Out From Under on Resonance Extra, co-produced with FBI Radio in Sydney. Now, we can't complete a review of the 3BS catalogue without making mention of Extreme Misanthropy Crew. As the name might suggest, this is a melange of power noise, extreme electronics, doom, drone, techno, and a whole bunch more. You're going to hear some of that come to a crescendo shortly, right after Jonathan Pizzi gives us the introduction. It was um, a project that myself and my friend Ben were doing. It's funny to look back on it and think, we didn't know what we were doing. I, was, I just started doing this, this kind of stuff I was talking about as Mannheim, this sort of deep deep bass kind of dubstep influence thing and and then I remember watching Ben um, in a band that he was in they were playing their last show and they were just like they were they were a hardcore band um, and and thinking like this would be amazing to kind of bring these vocals in with like you know this and I mean it's actually you know it's been done quite a bit but I, I wasn't aware of that and I just thought this would be amazing like these these vocals in with the, this really dark deep sort of vaguely dance music and so we started doing that and at first it was very rigid it was like kind of you know performing on a laptop and him screaming along and it was never loud enough so it was very awkward playing in front of people and we did we had, we, we've, we've had some phenomenal shows like we, we did one in in the old bar in melbourne where we didn't clear the room. We probably partially cleared the room, but um, we had we had hecklers because it wasn't loud enough to get over the hecklers. And and then the best thing about it was we finished. They paid us a huge amount for it. I don't know why, just bar takings, I guess. And we just got out of there as quickly as we could. And we, so we've had a lot of shows like that where it, it's sort of been like confronting an audience and just being like, you're going to take this punishment for 20 minutes now. Like, And then it was punishment because it was kind of awkward. And now um, it's quite different. We brought in another friend of ours, Pete, who's in um, making and Tan Kreis. And it's now become much more of a band. I'm playing drums in it and doing electronics. Both of them are doing electronics and bass and vocals. And it's become more abrasive, more sort of like um, a bit more sort of like power electronics noise kind of thing. Very heavy, very loud. Um, and now it's confronting in, in a different way. I think. A lot of people seem like when they hear it for the first time, they kind of come up to you and, and be like, that made me feel really anxious or like that was really uncomfortable. But like, but then they'll be like, but I enjoyed it some weird way. Like, you know, because it's still very physical. There's a lot of, a lot of sub bass always in the room. And it just, we just try to make it very sort of powerful. But it's a lot of fun to do because it's the three of us. We don't practice. We, um, we, we get together every couple of months and generally when we do that we just record wherever we do it's improvised we all just go away and do our own thing and bring it together and we like in, I know in my case there's almost no preparation I just I do the same thing I do with Mannheim's or iterative I just um, I sample things from previous recordings and put them through a sequencer or whatever and yeah and it's it's a really fun way of making music like it doesn't sound fun like the results that we get, but the process is unbelievably fun and it's cathartic for me. I mean, especially because I'm playing drums. Like it's a massive release of all kinds of, you know, endorphins, tension, everything. So any anxiety that the audience are getting, I'm probably like spewing out at them from myself, which is, you know, really, 
probably the whole point of the project, really, <laughs> that we're doing that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's very cathartic. It's it's a it's a it's a great feeling to make music like that. And you know, we're not the only ones doing it. But it's the funny thing that when you when you play to um, to the kind of audiences we play to, because I mean, we've all come from different musical backgrounds, and you know, we've all come from heavy music to some degree. But this is this is heavy in a different way. It's confronting. It's not just like loud and distorted and screaming. It has something more about it. And it's interesting playing to the audiences that aren't used to that thing because they're always just like, they just, they just don't know what to make of it. They're just like, what is this? What am I supposed to feel? How, like, what is this making me feel? This is really strange. But if we played it to people who have heard similar things, they might be a bit more analytical and you know, sort of say, oh, you know, it sounds a bit like this or that. And like, but we don't think about any of that. Like we, I mean, we really like, it's a, it's, a, it's a common thread with a lot of this kind of thing. We, we don't listen to music like that, really. Occasionally, like, there'll be some, some crossover. I'll listen to, like, a Sun record and be like, oh, I'd like to make a sound like that in the MC, but we don't sound like Sun. Like, you know, not, not at all. <laughs>
That's Extreme Misanthropy Crew and Revelation 1A from the cassette and zine release Revelations 1. You can find that and all the info on 3BS releases and events at 3bsrecords.com. I'm Stu Buchanan and I'm calling time on this week's Out From Under. Thanks to Jonathan Pizet for being our guest on this week's episode, to Peter Lansley at Resonance Extra and to Beth Gleish and Nicola Rosa at FBI Radio in Sydney. You can find more info and links at outfromunderradio.tumblr.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as outfromunderradio and email us at outfromunderradio at gmail.com. Going to leave you now, though, with a track from the next release on 3BS, which is out next week. It's a split cassette between Man I'm Rocket and New Zealand's Borrowed CS. This is a track from the latter, and it's titled Death in High Definition. Thank you. 